Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Super Deluxe Gamescast. It is Thursday, January 6th, first podcast of the new year. Um, it's going to be a great year? I don't know I tried. about that. I tried, I, don't my, know. I tried my hardest to sound positive about that. Why would you that? jinx me in the first <laughs> minute of the podcast? You know... How dare you? Speaking of the podcast... um. I went back and I was looking at older episodes, like back from 2016, 2000, like end of 2015. And I look so much more like a dad now than I did. Like I'm wearing like, you know, hoodies and I've got my, my glasses on and I don't bother. Sh I don't bother trimming my beard. Like I'm, I'm looking more and more like a dad who's just given up. Um, <laughs> the very specific type of dad. It is. It is. Finn, don't worry. Your time will come there. There, there will be a time when you, are a dad who's just given up. Um, Finn, you're looking very, uh, you're looking very game dadish, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> just brief for those that forgot, because back in November during Extra Life, yeah, there was a whole a, year uh, ago, right? Uh, there was an incentive uh, for five hundred dollars. I would shave my head, me not thinking anyone would do it, and then me realizing i have to do it but they were very nice and said i could wait until the new year so that the first christmas pictures with my new daughter are not just me with a weird shaved head so i did it yesterday at work or two days ago at work and it feels very weird and i don't know does it feel fun feel. when you walk outside and there's a breeze and you're like oh that's it, not it actually how, feels what I should fucking feel. great i can attest to i that would fact. love if it was cold enough for me to feel it but again i live in florida and we're already back up to like 80 something degrees so <laughs> I hate you. Whatever. So we we do have two guests that I want to I want to introduce tonight. Um of course Grant up here in the corner, Grant Stoner, um huge advocate for accessibility in games. Uh Grant has been Grant has been on numerous times. He's an old friend yeah. of the show. Unnecessarily uh, funny. Right. Yeah, yeah, like any funnier funnier than funnier than anyone should be. Funnier than me for sure. Uh and also just an incredibly good-looking fellow. So Grant, thank you so much, man. I I really we all really appreciate you being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I always love coming on. As always, I will. We will see by the end of this episode. Uh, and uh, first time ever on SDGC uh, down there in the corner, uh, Ken Seward. Um, Ken, uh, I've you know, I would talk to everyone about how cool you are, but I would rather you tell our audience who you are, where you come from, and what you do. So go ahead, man. The floor is yours. Oh man, do I do I go all the way back or do I just kind of like current stuff? So when uh, so start with when you were born. Uh, oh, right. Okay, this all is right. actually the so, Kenny origin episode. Yeah, so, absolutely, nice. I love it. I'm in for it. This is great because my birthday is actually coming up this month, so oh. that that works. Just you know, full circle and everything. But Ken, um, Ken real, real quick, how old are you going to be? I'm going to be 38. Okay, I don't feel so old. <laughs> I know I don't look it. I don't look it. It's you really don't. Face. You absolutely do not. Yeah, mean, yeah. Meanwhile, I look every one of my 41 years. Ken, please go ahead. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I um, let's see. I actually started writing about games back in 2006 when I was in college. I'm going to try to speed through this. And a friend of mine who saw a flyer, they were like, hey, they need people to write. And you know, play video games, review video games and all that good stuff. And I was like, oh, why not? It's, you know, I talk about them enough, play them enough. And I have some free time between electives, so why not? And that turned into like a month later, me going to E3. And so from there, it was kind of like fast track to like doing some like really cool stuff. 
Unfortunately, that site is no longer around. It was uh, called Game Plasma. It's no longer around. Um, I went to NX Gamers, um, and I started uh, an entity called United Front Gaming. That's where the UFG comes from. And with uh, NX Gamers, they did, like, professional gaming. So they had contacts with, like, uh, you know, Call of Duty or Activision for Call of Duty stuff and Microsoft for Halo stuff. And so they had no one to do news, reviews, and, and those sort of things. So me and my crew, UFG, went with them to do that, and which got me another trip to E3, which was dope. Um, that site, unfortunately, didn't last very long. So we started to do our own site, UFG, or United Front Gaming, and did it for up until, I want to say, the pandemic hit. Um and before that, I hadn't done like any freelancing for the. I, I started freelancing about five years ago, and the idea was, we got to make it on our own, or at least that's what we thought. Like we wanted to be like Giant Bomb and right, right, Polygon and whatnot. But yeah, revenue was not there, unfortunately. And then the pandemic kind of hit, and it was like, it it was already hard enough to make money. It's like super hard now, and so I kind of had to make a decision like. Do I do like freelancing full time, kinda, or do I try to balance UFG and freelancing and all the other stuff I needed to do? Um, and I was like, you know what, I just can't. So I left UFG up to be like a living resume, and then started leaning more into freelancing. But since then, uh, I've written for a bunch of sites: uh, IGN, uh, Fanbyte, Games Radar, uh, Tom's Guide, um, just a ton and ton of places, and. It's been pretty great. It's been pretty cool. Um, you know, I uh, I hope you enjoyed that E3, man. I hope you really enjoyed it. Uh, I hope it was yeah, everything you thought you hoped it would be because <laughs> yeah. we're, we're going to get <laughs> that. <laughs> That's been stuck in my head ever since you were like, I got to go to E3. I'm like, man, <laughs> rest in peace, yeah. man. No, it can't, dude. It is it is great to have you here, man. You're you are a guest I've I have particularly wanted on here for some time. Uh, oh, so I'm I am glad uh, we were able to make this work tonight. Um, now, what we're gonna do tonight is, as always, we're gonna go around the horn. We're gonna we're gonna discuss what we've been playing. Uh, we're gonna start off uh, with uh, the letter written by the Square Enix CEO. Uh, we're gonna get into some PSVR two stuff, uh, and the conversation is actually gonna take some interesting turns. Uh, that you might not expect, which is one of the reasons I brought Grant on, other than the fact he's just great. Uh, and then uh, to close it off, we are going to talk about the, um, we are going to talk about E3's, uh, I guess, either digital showing or complete cancellation. There are, there are two competing trains of thought right now, and also what that means for gaming conventions going forward as a whole. Um, but let's kick it off with what we've been playing recently and i'll go first because I'm, I'm gonna be quick um i recently i just actually this morning finished my replay of probably the greatest war game of all time uh and that is advance wars on the game boy advance um swerve and uh where he was going advance wars is literally now i've played this game so many times over the years um Advance Wars was and remains a perfect video game. It's perfect, Finn. No, my question uh, is actually just, 
you know, with with the Switch remake of one and two coming very soon, what made you want to jump back into the original? Was it just because, hey, I've got an analog pocket and why not? Well, it's a combination of I've got an analog pocket and, you know, but also I thought it would be valuable to replay because I'm going to do Black Hole Rising next week. Um, I thought I thought it would be uh, valuable to play the originals again uh, a few months before uh, uh, Advance Wars One and Two reboot comes uh, come out. So that way, I've got like I've got kind of something to measure it against, right? Um, Advance Wars is uh, it looks like Maddie in chat says uh, that she should play Advance Wars. You absolutely should. Yes. Um, the uh, Advance Wars is it, it's not it's one. It's got some of the best sprite work that you have ever seen. Um, and plus it's, I, I never like, it's weird for someone to say that a war game is wholesome and pure, but this absolutely is. And I mean, it's um, very like cute and cartoony. It's yeah, not, what, you know, right. Yeah. Like it's, um, you know, I like to think that these guys are just real tired when, when, when you take them out as opposed to they die. They're just, they're just really tired. They're going to go, they're, they're going to go get, you know, get some sleep, uh, and they'll be fine tomorrow. Um, but yeah, please, and play, please play Advance Wars and play, play Advance Wars, uh, to Black Hole Rising. And if you can play, uh, Advance Wars Dual Strike on the DS, another great, documentary. A, a great comparison point in a lot of ways would be like the Fire Emblem games. Cause of that same kind of genre of yeah. turn-based grid-based strategy game, right. I will say they're not quite as they're, they're definitely more difficult than the Fire Emblem games tend to be. They're actually pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. Like, advanced, they, like, it looks cutesy, but yeah. it's pretty difficult. They're, they're, they tend to be pretty easy to grasp at first. Like, they're very accessible in, in the regard of they tend to not be overly complicated in their mechanics or anything, but the actual difficulty of the games ramps up pretty pretty quickly so and some of those some of those some of those battles can take up to an hour like i mean it's they're oh, yeah. not fucking around like especially um, in, in it's all about resource management it's, a, it's very it's also got rts mechanics to it yes without the real time at yeah. least. so it's, yeah. it's turn-based right. otherwise strategy. i'd be completely incapable of playing them <laughs> so. um and uh, i also finished mother three again for like the millionth time um which uh, is one of my favorite GBA games of all time, one of my favorite RPGs of all time, and of course a game that I, I do not think would be possible. I do not think a localization of that game would be possible today for numerous reasons. Uh, the Majipsies being uh, definitely being one of them. Um, but all in all, just a, a, a very special game. I think you could if you did some re some re like some rewriting, Derek. You and I have talked um, about it, Simon. right? Yeah, and we've you've gotten my insight as like somebody who actually is non-binary. Like, yeah. It's complicated, and it's a matter of like the 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 context matters a lot, and and the Majipsies in something that is otherwise not very queer coded as a work of art can come across and and raise our hackles a little bit. Versus if it was a, like a a show or a game that was you know predominantly made by or themed with queer themes, it would be a whole right. different you know. It's but it is what it is, you know. And that's, it wasn't done that's out of I, malice. It's just right. Um, but yeah, I've been playing Game Boy Advance games uh, recently because I've got an analog pocket and GBA games fucking rule. Uh, Kenny, as one of our guests, why don't you go ahead and go next, man? What, do you, what, what have you been playing this week? Uh, I've been trying to catch up backlog wise. Um, oh, I know that's there's dangerous. Usually, yes, it's it's a, a rabbit hole that you never come out of. But you know how it is with you know Steam sales and stuff like that. 
around the holidays. Eric you does. extend your yeah, you extend your backlog a lot, you know. And um, but because of you know the talk about the best games of 2021, I was like, you know what, I gotta play Guardians of the Galaxy because people have been talking about it and they're saying it's really really good. Let me try that. And I beat it in like two or three days um, and really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was like well-written and just all around fun. I think the only thing I, I guess kind of didn't like was like there's so much dialogue in that game that and, you know, normal games do this, too, where, you know, you're someone's talking, you're walking somewhere, you hit a cutscene, and it cuts the dialogue. So the cutscene to play. But they talk so much in this that that happens a lot. I end up restarting checkpoints because I'm like, I wanted to hear what Rocket had to say. This was important. Like, stop it. Um, so that that was pretty cool. And then, like, today I got the Oculus Quest 2. Nice. And I was like, you know what? It's, it's you know, early birthday gift for me. And I was like, yes, I'm, I'm finally going to get something VR related. And, yeah, it came today. I haven't really done anything with it, but open it up and kind of, like, smell it. But it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty Tell great. Tell me about the bouquet. Uh, Kenny, tell us about the uh, tell us about the notes. It it was uh, it was fresh. It was new, mm. <laughs> and mm. and it was also like it felt like um, and I, I guess this might be a little different depending on where you are, like you know financially. But to be able to buy something that could be you know perceived as expensive, but not feel any type of guilt around it, you know, if, especially during the pandemic. Um, buying some something expensive when you don't know what could happen tomorrow is kind of like, yeah, you might not want to do that. And, you know, our hobby is mad expensive anyways. And so, you know, I, I was like, I, I want it, though. I kind of want it, and it's my birthday, so why not? Oh, dude, go for it, man. And, Fucking treat yourself, yeah. dude. I'm a big proponent of, especially these days, over the last few years, man, like, dude, retail therapy is important. And if something makes you fucking happy and you've got the money, <laughs> dude... Therapy fucking just just do it man like you know because here's the thing enjoy your toys because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow right right so right. enjoy enjoy yourself as much as you can like as like as you can see i have not poured any money at all in my little <laughs> gaming office here so i've got a f fucking mural the entire final battle of final fantasy 6 on my back wall <laughs> um but uh uh ken did you have anything else before we move on to grant um no, and just, I guess, catching up on, like, films and stuff that I miss. So, basically trying to catch up on stuff. Yeah. Catching up on life, my man. Catching yes. up on life. Uh, Grant, what have you been playing this week, and why was it uh, Pokemon? Yeah, actually, it was Pokemon. Yeah, see, I fucking knew it. Um, <laughs> Pokemon Pearl and Shannon Pearl, um, which are great. I love the remakes. I think they're everything I wanted in a Gen 4 remake. Um and also God of War on PC. I have not picked up Brilliant Diamond or Shining Pearl yet. Um, and that's I, a mistake. I look, I'm I'm trying. There's so many games to play right now, Grant. Um, although we my did son finally get John into Pokemon, starting with uh, Sword and Shield. Starting right? with the yeah. Switch. Well, I think it was Let's Go first, and then well, Sword was Let's and Go Shield. For, and it was and 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 that had, that's Reb. Like Reb was the one who really finally got me. Shout out, to, shout out to Rebecca Valentine. She was the one years ago who finally got me to, to check out Pokemon. And now I've played... Look at this. Uh, now I've played Pokemon Ruby, Pokemon Emerald. Um, I've played Let's Go. I've played Black and White. Um, I love Pokemon. Uh, I, did, I have not played the original Diamond and Pearl games. 
uh, and my son actually sent me a picture of uh, he he picked up Brilliant Pearl with his own money today, and he sent me a picture of the box. And he said, "Have you played this yet?" And I said, "No, I haven't, and I probably need to." Um, Grant, how does it compare to the original? I mean, uh, it's, a, it's, it, it, it's a one-to-one remake, right? It is. But, yeah, it's it's very much another. If you asked the community, they'll say it's terrible, but. Pokemon fans are never satisfied with anything. You mean video um, game fans are never satisfied yeah, with anything? True. I haven't been able to play my DS in uh, five or so years, so being able to just play that game that I remember 15 years ago is what I wanted. So there aren't really many changes that justify a $60 price tag, in my opinion. But for me, I haven't been able to play it in so long that it's great to return to my second favorite generation. Interesting. I, I'm probably planning on picking it up here next week, to be perfectly honest with you. Finn, you got your hand up, man. But did, I do. Dude, Finn, Finn, Finn not, this is SCGC. Just cut in. Don't call me. Uh, my name's not John, so I'm not going to interrupt Grant. Uh, so, <laughs> Grant, who is your starter? Very important question. I am Pearl. It was Chimchar, and on Diamond, it was Turtwig. Yeah. Turtwig fam, rise up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and, that, was my, uh, that was my important question. Well, and since, uh, since Finn wants to open his mouth with insults, uh, Finn, why don't you go ahead and tell us, not that we care, not that anyone here cares, but why don't you go ahead and tell us what you've been playing, Finn? I was going to say you bald-headed motherfucker, but that wouldn't make any sense uh, because, it would not. you know. Because I already have more hair back. Um, so I uh, just finished Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. Um, my my replay of it. I I'm probably I'm gonna continue picking away at the Pokedex, but I did finish the the Sinnoh decks, and now I'm gonna see how far I get into the National before that overwhelms me like it always does. But that that was a blast because Diamond and Pearl is one of my favorite generations. Not my the favorite, but up there for me. I logged too many hours into the DS version. And I just so, want to point out that one of the benefits of becoming a Pokemon, uh, a Pokemon fan is years ago, if you just said, oh, you know, the Cinedex, you know, compared to the National Pokedex, I'd have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? But I understand the conversation now. I just want to say that that's well, a, it's pretty cool that I know what you're talking about. But I also agree with Grant. Like, I've never known a community that'll just, that it has fine reasons to hate on everything. Like, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with this game, but you ask the fans and it's it's the worst crime against humanity. I don't know. Not my I'm I don't I don't drive with that. I think this game is has been a lot of Oh, Kenny, what's up? I was going to say there are they worse than Star Wars fans because they don't like anything. I you know what? Uh Star Wars fans are there. racist. Yeah. And they're very like sexist. I don't think Pokemon fans are ever just we're really entitled. Entitled like, and angry. Different kind yeah. of bad, but I wouldn't yes. put it okay. on that same I don't like of... to talk about Pokemon. As I actively I refuse. My Kylo Ren yeah, I actively yeah. refuse to talk about Star Wars. So Um but so after after Pokemon, <laughs> I uh, man. I also have just been loving my life with Guardians of the Galaxy. And like Kenny said, the 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 just ambient conversations are so good and you know it made me wish that if i could change one thing would be to add the sony first party 
uh playstation mechanic that they used in like games like last of us and uncharted where if an ambient conversation gets cut off for whatever reason then they'll just be like hey what were we talking about oh yeah and resume the conversation that's been one of my favorite mechanics in games because sometimes things happen but i don't want to find out what hilarious thing they were gonna say because the dialogue in that game is it, it never stops it keeps coming like in battles i love the back and forth it makes the game feel alive it makes it feel very comic accurate uh and the plot just is is filled with deep cut easter eggs for comic fans as well and ah i love that game uh that those two have been my big uh end of year games so we'll see what january brings to the table for me oh i have not final fantasy 6 advance mm. on my analog because my man. you can't have an sdgc without talking about final fantasy 6 john I, my, my mural man. came in my Ooh. mural uh Ooh. it was so big did you get the, the same art, one i did no no i got a commission the artist Ooh. the artist had to unwrap it from the canvas and roll it up to ship it was too big to ship otherwise so i took it to michael's to get it re upholstered onto a canvas and i get to pick it up this weekend and i'm very excited to show you because it is it is a it's a mandala so it's a big it's a big circle and it includes every character every area every boss every dragon every esper everything in one big continuous loop please send me a picture as soon as you oh can. i will i'm gonna be do i'm gonna do a video like just losing oh, my mind yeah. over it it looks it's been a f- it's been in progress for five years. I've been paying off in installments over the course of five years because this guy. Oh, it's so okay. Anyway, anyway, I, I move on. Uh, I pass the mic over to Canada. Um, the only game I have played since December third is the critically acclaimed MMORPG Final Fantasy fourteen. Wait, Jeff, uh, Jeff, is that the one with uh, is that the one that's, that's is, free up until Heavensward? It, it is the one with the free trial, uh, which you can play through the entirety of Realm Reborn and the award winning Heavensward expansion up to level. Interesting. 15. OK, um, actually, could. none of this is true because you can't buy the game yeah. and you can't sign up for the free trial uh, because the service. You still can't buy it. <laughs> I don't all, think so. I don't think they ever relisted it. You still cannot bug me to play this game. I, I literally I'm, cannot. I'm going to get you in there, Derek. Don't worry. No. I'm going to break you I'm down. At, I'm at peace. I'm going to break um, you yeah, down. Uh, John, Britt, and I um, just recorded two and a half hours worth of good content. Um, uh, on, edit, on I got to edit that first episode. Oops. Uh, <laughs> it, it's fine. It's fine. I don't do, do we even have last week's podcast up. Um, so yes, we it'll, do. OK, awesome. Uh, but no, the expansion is really good. Um, and I kind of go through these waves where I play the game a lot for a month or two, and then I take a few months off. So I'm just riding out this high right now, and we'll uh, we'll see what I get back to. I've still got uh, Vice City and San Andreas in my GTA collection to play through, uh, which are all patched up nicely at this point. So hmm. don't play games on day one, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Unless that game is Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster, in which case play it the same day it comes out. Yes. As long as you yes. mod the, I, the I font cannot, out. I, I'm going to need someone to teach me how to do that. because Oh, dude, it's I'm it's so stupid excited. easy. Like, like Derek will tell you I am as computer illiterate as they come, and I can do it in five seconds. Like, it's it's a literal matter of dragging a file into a folder. I'm so excited. Like that, that's, that, that's all it is. Uh, um, I need to start my Final Fantasy VI uh, advanced playthrough before the Pixel Remaster comes out, by the way. How do you uh, burn th- yourself out doing things like this? 
Because like I'm avoiding Derek. playing Advance Wars specifically so that I will feel fresh when when the the remake Derek. comes out. Derek, do you see my? I want to know: Does John actually yeah. work? I know he says he works. He's but got too much he, money but, not to but, work. But then he also plays like multiple gigantic RPGs in a week, and I'm just like, something's not adding up here. To be fair, to be fair, I've been out of work all week due to weather, so. I literally have not gone to work this week because everybody's been snowed in. Um, but uh, I, I also want to point out something to Jeff real quick. Uh, Jeff, when uh, Derek w or when uh, Finn was talking about um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I remember when you posted that glitch of Drax just following you all around the ship. Um, and I just like he would not stop following you. And I kept thinking of that moment in Infinity War when he's just standing there watching Star-Lord and Gamora uh, make out and he's like, he's like, I've mastered the art of standing so incredibly still that I become invisible. And I'm like, dude, honestly, this is like, that. that's just adding to the immersion. Like, that's that's just Drax doing his thing, man. Are you sure that's a glitch? <laughs> so I couldn't see either uh, Peter or Gamora's faces for that yeah, entire joke, conversation. I know. I just I'm just saying like like what if you just taken that as 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 like flavor as like that mm -hmm. adding that MCU flavor uh just yeah. trying to make sure you made room for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well and uh speaking of Jesus that's a I don't, know, I don't like wherever don't you're like going where with this. Going. <laughs> so um so Local Vey disapproves that, of this joke. So uh, small, small little, uh, small little pat on the back here. We may be Square Enix uh, sponsored content creators. This is hey, true. What about me? I said we. Right. You're about to move on to the first topic. Oh, you didn't go yet. Derek, go yeah, ahead. That's correct. Sorry, dude. I'm tired, man. <laughs> Derek, go ahead, buddy. It's always me or Finn, man. I'm fucking tired, Derek. Please go. I am so interested in what you've been playing. It's so it gets harder when you get older to stay up this late. I know. It does. It does. <laughs> I've been up till one thirty. Let me tell you about trying week. to stay up till twelve on New Year's. It did not happen. <laughs> man, I was like nine nine thirty. I was dead on the floor. Derek, what robot and or monster game have you been playing this week? Um. So. I have actually been playing the Crisis Trilogy, which I had played and beaten the original a few times. I, I love the original. I think it's kind of bland in a lot of ways as a game. It's a little unseasoned, but the actual mechanics of the suit are very cool, and I like the kind of open-ended nature of the level design. Uh, so I've beaten the original a few times. I've started two once, but never got far in it. Never even touched three. So... Look, everybody always talks about how, how Crisis 1 is the best. It's held up as this, this legendary game. It's punishing to computers, uh, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's fine. Like, it's a, it's a good game to play, but it's a, a dude in a robot suit dicking around in the jungle fighting Koreans until it's time to fight generic Hollywood squid aliens, and there's, like, no story no care no anything to it it's very like not even salt and pepper completely unseasoned um so mm. i get around to crisis too i'm like look i'm committed to playing through this trilogy at least because by the third he's got a bow and i don't know what that means but i'm gonna find out nobody told me that crisis two and three have incredible 
pieces of like body horror and cosmic horror and some really good personality behind them. I'm like, all anyone talks about is knockoff Iron Man running around the jungle. And I've got two whole other games that are like really good, really smart, really interesting sci-fi in like a rundown Manhattan. Like I'm, I'm into this all of a sudden. So, um, I don't like PC gamers anymore. Like I am one, but I don't like that. They, they lied to me for so long about crisis. <laughs> cause, cause I think they are, are, I don't want to talk too much about it on the show. Cause I think it's kind of neat to like run into some of the plot twists, but I'm actually engaged with the writing of these games now. And I'm actually really vibing again. I like horror. I'm a, I'm a horror person. So you throw elements of, of like techno, like body horror in there. Get me some like, you know, Tetsuo, the Iron Man in there. You get me some of that, like high concept, impossible to grasp cosmic horror. I'm, I'm into it. So, um, you know, big, dumb FPS games, but I'm, I'm, I'm vibing and it's a good break from the, the JRPG spree I've been on recently. So that's the best kind of spree. Let's just, let's just throw it out there. I need to take like a week off work to just not work, not do anything around the house, not even sleep, just burn through like three more JRPGs. Get my my job and then move to an area with snow. You know, Kenny, you talked about backlog and like, man, the problem is I was really good at getting through my backlog early in the pandemic because I started with all the short games and all the little games. And now my backlog is only JRPGs. Yeah. And that's rough because <laughs> I'm not getting that dopamine hit of finishing a short game in between, you know, 60 hour long JRPGs. I've just got to beat a Tales game and then move straight on into a Final Fantasy. And it's like, fuck. So, bleh. well, just wait till John gets you on fourteen. Then you'll have oh, three hundred no. hours of oh no, I could be going to work together. Jeff, any, me, Jeff, and Britt. Any game that takes me longer than the entire Xenosaga trilogy to beat is not worth my time. I'm sorry. Why would you play the Zeno? Why would you play the Xenosaga trilogy? I know, right? It's far too many hours for what you get out of it. It's almost like Final Fantasy fourteen. But, but Final Fantasy fourteen is good. I don't know that yet. I'm, but I'm just I'm just telling you it is. It's critically claimed. I don't have 300 hours. There. I know. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to play Google a bunch fact, more indie Google games fact instead. Google checker says that 14 is good. Yeah. It does. You can, actually, you can actually can, you can actually Google it. You can I can play Google like it. 30 great little indie games in the time it would take me to play FF14. So I'm making my choice. So uh, now that Derek has gone... Um, and now that Derek has made me feel like a jerk, now you may return to your transition. him over, which I did not mean to, Derek. I apologize. It's uh, okay. you, you know I love you. Um, so uh, back. To, so I, I'll state again, um, and it's a, patting ourselves in the back a, a bit, but I also don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. Like we, so so on this podcast, we are Square in we are Square Enix partners, right? Like we we have received codes from them, we do content for them, but we're also that doesn't mean we can't criticize them. Uh, and that's what we're going to do right now because we do need to I mean, talk just, just a little bit. Not just Square Enix, but they're like the recent. Right, blender. right. And, and and so we need to talk about the letter that um, that Square Enix CEO uh, Yosuke Matsuda uh, released on uh, basically like what it was like January 1st, right, Der- right guys? 
like I think um, it was right before time the is a flat circle. I don't know shit. Yeah, anymore. I don't know. Brit, stick around. I promise this isn't going to take very long. Um, so essentially, he wrote a uh, he wrote a letter uh, to the to celebrate the new year and kind of let investors know and gamers know what to expect out of Square Enix going forward in 2022. And what's funny is that he said Happy New Year and immediately launched into his spiel. Uh, and I'm just gonna pick some of the some of the choiciest parts of this letter here. Um, he uh, was talking about the metaverse. He said the metaverse will likely see a meaningful transition to a business phase in 2022 with a wide range of services appearing on the scene. As this abstract concept begins to take concrete shape in the form of product and service offerings, I'm hoping that it will bring about changes that have a more substantial impact on our business as well. Um, and he even used the words a significant business opportunity, which like, it's like if you're addressing if you're addressing your audience, which are made up 100% of gamers, and you say we've identified a great business opportunity, that's never a good start. Never a fucking good way to frame your narrative. But then, um, that this is the, and this is the real part of the letter I want to I want to focus on uh, because um, right. So first he says, I see the play to earn concept that has people so excited. It, bro, nobody's excited about this. Like play to earn dude this isn't a fucking job this is <laughs> we do this for fun um this it, nobody wants to play to earn but speaking of fun immediately after that is the most talked about portions that finn already knows what's coming because he's grinning over there i realize that some people who play who by the way quotes play to have fun and who currently form the majority of players have voiced their reservations toward these new trends, and understandably so. I can't even read this with a straight face. However, I believe that there will be a certain number of people whose motivation is to play to contribute, by which I mean to help make the game more exciting. I, I mean, I just have a hard time taking the letter seriously for the same reason I have... Who these games for fun, guys? I have like... a hard time taking any of these letters from any of these other companies talking about nfts and you know seriously because I, I i'm gonna i'm gonna bet you something right now and i'm i don't have i'm, I'm too broke to bet money so we'll just bet my reputation because i don't give a shit about that um nothing's gonna come of this nothing's gonna come of most of these companies talking about nfts there this is a bunch of 60 and 70 year old technologically illiterate investors Guys who, don't who, play have games. Heard, who have seen these things trending on social media or reading articles about it and they're like, well, we need to have the NFTs to make the money. That letter was not aimed at gamers. It was aimed at satisfying a, a bunch of buzzing investors who just want to hear that they're jumping on the shiny new train. But that train's not, not only not going anywhere, it's not actually a train. Like, nobody is going to find a way to meaningfully implement this stuff. Well, so I think not... Ubisoft rushing into it and completely falling flat is like... What was that 600... Like, like you had to play the game for 600 hours and you got, like, a hat? Like, what was that? What was that shit? Uh, who, who knows what I'm talking about? There was a game... It was a Ubisoft game. Um, and I, it might have been... Was it Rainbow Bro, Six? People? It was a Tom Clancy game. It was a Tom Clancy uh, game, right? Breakpoint, Breakpoint, break yeah. I think it was Breakpoint. Break you could play that for 600 hours and get like a fucking hat that you could like, and, and, and like it was an NFT. And uh, I, 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 
I don't and and like the pushback to this is so fun. I have never seen anything like like who would have thought that the thing to bring the gaming audience together was a shitty letter by Square Enix CEO um talking about how um Traditional gaming has offered no explicit incentive to this latter group of people talking about the one whose motivation is to play to contribute. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Don't offer them any fucking incentive. These are the same people who fucking create bots to farm uh, gold in World, World of Warcraft. Like, don't don't fucking incentivize these people. Uh, it's just, it's, it is the most tone-deaf thing I think I have ever seen uh, from, from the head of... And like I'm just I'm baffled by it. Does anybody else have anything they want to add to this? Because I just I feel like I don't want like obviously we don't want to go off the rails talking about NFTs, but considering that this is from Square Enix, which is one of the largest developers in the world, I I think I think it was well. Worth you've bringing got like up. Konami just announced what they're doing like Castlevania, Castlevania NFT, whatever NFT. that fucking means. Like <laughs> they're so ugly. Oh Look, my god! It, it doesn't matter because nobody wants them, right? They've been flopping the couple times they do get rushed out. There's nobody who's coming up with good reasons for how these will meaningfully add to the player. Like, it's just buzzwords. It's just marketing people and, and C-suite executives throwing out buzzwords. True, we do love doing investors that. Buzzwords are great. Yeah, and usually buzzwords, you could at least down the road, you know, enough people say games as a service that we turn it into a thing and, and we, we kind of figure out what that trend means and then that becomes a trend in gaming. But, like... NFTs from, I mean, from the beginning, you know, crypto in general has been a solution looking for a problem. Like, this is not a place to talk about that shit in depth, but NFTs is, is just a, an extension of the same thing, which is it's it's a technological solution that isn't actually solving a problem. So this is not going to go anywhere. This is not. I just don't, like, you have every reason to be mad. I think it's dumb. I think it's irresponsible. You know, all of this this rush into crypto and, and currency and, and NFTs is, is awful for the environment. What did we just get that report of like Bitcoin used more energy, um, you know, last year than like several small countries. So but it's I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that's um, the difference. Kenny, from from a freelance perspective, like, have you seen anything in gaming that would suggest it's a thing of the future? I think people want it to be. I think that like we get a lot of press releases about not as you know on this level, but from like indie or whatever, where they're like, yeah, we're thinking about NFTs. They they don't really know uh, what they want to do with it exactly. It's just like everyone has this or or seemingly right like everyone's going to have these things so we got to get out in front of it so let's announce something figure it out later and then pretend like we we were a part of this thing this whole time um i just think it's interesting because in the wording they don't seem to know what they're going to do with it at all and even if they do it doesn't sound appealing it sounds something like uh like what's that game roblox that kind of like mm -hmm. you know it it basically rips his creators off it, it it abuses their its creators it doesn't pay them the way it's supposed to you're not going to get what you think you're going to get by creating and the people who typically are creating things to share and to make games better are the modders we already have that so to try to incentivize with nfts which a lot of people don't know what that is uh 
in a video game, especially video games like that Square could make, right? That just doesn't seem like a really smart thing to do. It it, it reminds me of the, you know, the the auction house in, in Diablo three. Like it's just you're waiting for something bad to happen with your creators. Is is basically what it is. Is it's you're going to give them something. They're going to try to make money. They're not going to be able to make a, the money that they should make, and you're going to profit. And eventually, people are going to turn on you, and you're going to look bad. Like it's we've seen this before with other, you know, types of. I don't want to say microtransactions, but you know what I mean? Like type of programs that try to incentivize getting over on your creators, essentially. Cool. Yeah, I, th- I figured you might have some nice insight into that. So, it, I, again, JPEG's like... bad. Yeah, like, I, I again, <laughs> like, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, I just... The tone deafness of it is is really what what got me um so i did think it was worth kind of uh just bringing up as far as actual real topics uh real topics go um psvr2 uh announced out of like fucking nowhere like i was just like i i got out of the shower and i picked up my phone and i was like oh well to be fair it is the consumer electronics show right now right but i didn't even know that was happening because this is we're in a hell timeline and i i that that's just not a thing i'm even like i'm even checking on right now uh jeff did you watch any of the psvr2 uh showcase or no nothing nope i so know it's a thing so I did the so the thing that excites me most about this is that it's one chord <laughs> like that's and that if you've the, used the psvr before you know that alone is a selling point that i that the, the psvr trying to hook the psvr up was watching me try to do it was like Watching a monkey trying to fuck a coconut, it just it wasn't it was it was it wasn't pretty. I love that like, specific example, and I he really I does hate it so much. But you know what? It's a Marine Corps thing, okay? We say that all the time in the Marine Corps. So just 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 deal with it. Monkey fucking a coconut. Um, but beyond so like before we get into the like the technical aspects of PSVR two, um, one of the reasons I had Grant on tonight, other of course than him being a great guy was that Grant is a huge advocate for disability uh, and for disabled gamers being able to play. Uh, and, and it's true, right? Like, everybody should be able to play. Um, I find that... So I have a, I've made a lot of friends in gaming who are disabled in some way, shape, or form. Um, and once you... You know, obviously, I've never had to deal with... Uh, I've never had to deal with disability myself, at least not a disability that prevents me from, you know being able you know to manipulate a controller but but so i could never i could never truly understand but but once you actually get to know a group of people and understand the hardships that they have to deal with on a daily basis you start looking at things through a different lens right so one of the things that first jumped into my mind when i saw a psvr2 being announced was that's not very that's not very disability friendly um which is literally one and so i was waiting to to for them to Said, and this is how we're going to handle accessibility. Uh, and it just, it never kind of happened. So, uh, Grant, is there, is there any way to, is there any way to make VR headsets? And it doesn't have to be specific to PSVR. Is there any way to make this stuff more accessible? Or is that just like an inherent flaw that's baked into the technology that we can't do anything about? It depends on who you're referring to, right? So, whenever I write about accessibility, I always make it a point to say that, like, 
there's no concrete answer to anything related to accessibility. What's accessible for me may not be for someone else, and vice versa. So I can say, for me, VR will probably never be accessible. But for people who are deaf, hard of hearing, even for people who have low vision, uh, they could come up with some cool, inventive ways for them to use the headset properly. Um, even certain people with physical disabilities may be able to put the headset on and move just enough to experience whatever game that they're playing. Um, it's one of those pieces of tech that, for me personally, I hope it never replaces traditional gaming. Um, but I also don't want to discredit it in how other disabled people could use it. So when I saw the announcement, no, I was immediately turned off. Um, I know I'm never going to buy it. It's just an easy decision for me, but I am curious to see if they do come up with certain techniques or pieces of equipment that other disabled people can use to benefit from it. Yeah, I, and you know, there is a, not to kind of be too much of a downer, but there's just like a, there's like a sadness in your voice when you say that I'm not going to buy it, that, that really kind of, really kind of hits me. Um, well, I'm always sad, but no, um, well, I mean, we're, everybody on this podcast is sad 24 seven, um, <laughs> except Ken, he's happy. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll kick this over to Ken. Um, you know, looking at this, and because I, I do want to circle, I want to circle back to the, to the accessibility, to the accessibility issue. I want to get Ken's perspective as a freelance journalist. Um, did you have any, um, any, any forewarning at all that PSVR 2 was going to be announced at the Consumer Electronics Show? No, I think the people who would have gotten notified would be staff at like some of the major sites like IGN. Uh, to make sure that yeah to kind of make sure they were able to cover it Edition. in a timely manner but i think a right. lot of them didn't even know either they were it was kind of like it kind of like flew by like oh this is a thing that's happening there was rumors about it but uh at least from the, the people that i know personally um at IGN and and you know some of the other sites yeah they didn't know either so i <laughs> Is there any level of excitement for this? Like, I, I, I kind of, I figured we might be getting a follow-up to PSVR, but I don't feel, I, I don't feel like PSVR lit the world on fire. Like, I, I, I you know, I, I, I don't see a huge market for this. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna jump in. Go ahead, uh, Finn, because please. I am the target audience for the PSVR, because I really loved my PSVR, and I'm been really enjoying my oculus quest 2 um and i think the i think it's because of the oculus's success that there we're seeing a psvr 2 probably i mean sony is not immune to just dropping technologies that they've pushed really hard for a while i mean we all remember yeah. 3d uh but um but i i i i think the difference is this technology, especially when it's it's the Sony one, uh, it lives and dies on how much Sony itself supports it. And 
And that has always traditionally been really strong at first. And then if it doesn't immediately set the world on fire, we start seeing a very immediate diminishing returns. Um, but for the longest time, people were wondering, like, where's the PSVR games? Because we had and now we know that it's they've all been in development for PSVR, too. I'm very curious to find out, will this be backwards compatible? Uh, I, I think in terms of just is VR headsets, the tech is really cool. Uh, I really enjoy the the chain the upgrades to the psvr experience whether it's the new controllers the in headset tracking so that you don't also need a playstation camera to track your head movements or eye one movements. cord the one cord <laughs> factor uh like what were the other bullet points were just you know you're i i think having 4k vr is really cool uh the 4k hdr the expanded field of view i think it, it'll be important to see whether or not it plays nice with PC. You know, Sony has been being cozier with releasing their games on PC. Will we see... Because Oculus Quest thrives a lot on being able to sync up with Steam VR. I don't think we're going to go that far, but I think the Oculus has, has, has kind of wedged VR gaming more mainstream than when the PSVR launched. It was mu very much an early adopter technology. Uh, and I, I think there is now more room for it to be a much larger success, whether it's because of the PS5's increased capabilities, which will allow the PSVR 2 to run things better because a lot of the problems in VR were bottlenecked by the PlayStation 4 so that won't be a feature anymore. And I think launching with a, uh, a, a VR experience based on Horizon is a strong start. I, for one, am waiting eagerly for uh, a Sobe to announce Astrobot Rescue Mission 2. Or Wait, whatever. who's Sobe? A Sobe? Oh, I thought you said Sobe. I was like, did you mean no. to say Sony and you and like it came no, out wrong? Like the uh the gas station uh yeah. energy drink yeah. right in yeah, the, the drink. bottles. Sobe. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Team, no, team of well known, Astro well known people. Uh I I really hope that we're going to get a new one because to this day, Astrobot Rescue Mission is a top three VR experience. Um and one of the best games on the PlayStation library. It's I pretty good. Die on that hill. It's pretty uh, good. No, no, no. You don't need to die on that hell. Don't don't die. It's good. I'll back you up. But I, I so to answer your question, who's excited about it? I can't speak for everyone. I mean, there's always inherent problems with VR. It's always going to be a niche tech that's attached to the uh, a big purchase. Like that's the Oculus Quest thrives because it's a, it's a standalone. You buy it, and even if you don't sync it up to Steam, it works out of the box as a VR headset. The PlayStation's always going to need a PlayStation 5, which right now, still not easy to get. So how, how hard is the PSVR going to get? I don't know, but I'm excited. I love this. I love technology, and I love when new stuff gets announced. So I will tentatively be excited about it. But we'll see. Yeah, I think that's, I say, oh, you go ahead. No, 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 please go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's part of the uh, appeal because like VR is essentially the people who love VR already are. This is great. This is good news. But the people who are who might be on the fence, they might be looking for another, you know, uh, Half-Life game. They might be looking for another, you know, a big you know, tentpole game. And this is the moment where Sony could actually make that by, you know, 
launching some first party games where you just have to have the VR headset. And in that, everybody wins because now it's something that isn't as niche as it as it could be because you have a big company that's doing that. Maybe that'll, you know, nudge Microsoft a little bit. Maybe that'll nudge Nintendo a little bit to kind of invest in these things a little bit more. The problem, like you were saying, though, is that it's very hard to find PS5s right now. So announcing this the way they announced it and then having, you know, uh, a first-party game come for it, it's like, well, if I can't even find the PlayStation 5, why am I even looking for a peripheral that's going to be an extra $200? Or we, I mean, we don't know the price, know the but price, yeah. you know what I mean? But why would I look for that or be excited? I haven't found the, the base thing yet. Uh, you know what I mean? And so... That's the only thing, but it, it could potentially be something bigger than the Oculus because even with the Oculus being, you know, simple to use or not simple to use, but you don't need a base thing to use it. Uh, outside of a few games I can think of, there's not a, a big like, this is the Mario VR, this is the Sonic VR, this is, you know what I mean? I think Resident Evil 4 was big, but that was, I mean, that's, it's Resident Evil 4 and then we're waiting, we're waiting on the remake? Like, yeah. is that going to really move unit? You know what I mean? So... I think there's potential with Sony, but they can't go the way of, you know, the way that they did with their wands. Like you can't just, or the Vita or dozens of other things that they've, they've launched and kind of killed. (laughs) Hey, long live the wonder book. Okay. I I actually want to get, um, I want to get Jeff's perspective on this real quick because Jeff, you're somebody who has dealt with, you know, like severe carpal tunnel, right? Like there was a, there, I mean, you know, you've had some issues with your hands over the past few years and there was a time where you like, how long was it, Jeff, that you couldn't even pick up a controller? Like there, I mean, yeah, I want to four months probably. Yeah, like so. For with, does something like VR, um, does, does something like uh, like a PSVR two appeal to you, um, where you're not so much manipulating your your fingers as you are just kind of like gently holding two controllers and using motion controls? Uh, yeah, actually, funny enough, I mean, I I had a PSVR for a bit, um, and. VR is a tricky thing because you like it's kind of like you have to go all in and just hope that you like it. It's I mean, I'm certainly not going to touch a greasy demo VR headset in a mall. Um, so I had ne- <laughs> literally never tried VR until I just took a gamble and dropped 400 bucks on it. Um, and it's, uh, you know, and I, I do get uh, really bad motion sickness from like uh, not from movies and games, but from like uh, carnival rides and or car rides. I get very car sick all the time. So I was like. I had no idea how I'm going to handle. Luckily, I didn't get any motion sickness, but I, man, I absolutely love my PSVR. The only complaint I had, I think, um, was just, yeah, the low resolution. Some games were a little fuzzy, and I, I haven't played a PC VR headset, even though I have a high-end PC, so I don't have anything to compare it to, but just I was immediately impressed by the immersion, and it's it was so nice to be able to just kind of experience stuff without... Um, yeah, without like my, whatever my switch bumpers do to my fingers where everything just gets jammed up like this. It was really nice (laughs) to be able to kind of, uh, move a little more, uh, freely, um, and, you know, with less focus on the really, uh, detailed, heavy button mechanics. Um, and funny enough, the hands were in an issue, but, um, I got glasses for the first time right before the pandemic hit. and, And I found after I got my glasses, um, I couldn't. I don't know, maybe it's because I have a big nose or like the way they sit, but they didn't work with my headset. And once I got used to my glasses, the eye strain without them uh, was too bad to to actually use the headset um, without them. So I, I actually just had to give it up. And I I just don't I don't think I can use a VR headset now um, unless the shape is really different. But 
yeah, no, I like I love if I was still playing VR and if, if the headset worked for me personally, like if I was able to kind of use it with my glasses and stuff, I'd be really excited for this one, I think. Yeah. Well, it, I, go ahead, I, Derek, please. Yeah, I was going to say, I think part of the problem is that the, the Quest 2 is kind of the like the bar with VR right now. And I think that there's it took like a perfect storm for VR to even get where it is now. Right, I think that the Quest 2 is finally the first time people have a headset that you know has a high enough resolution to not have that real bad screen door effect. Um, it's you know usable standalone, but also can link up to a computer. And and thankfully, Steam VR you know is is uh, compatible with the Oculus platform, so you can use that for PC VR as well. So it's like flexible in a way that VR headsets generally haven't been before. Um, you know, basically, if if you were looking to get into VR before now, the Quest 2 kind of let you get everything in one. And it's not the single best headset in terms of resolution, but it was the one that would let you do pretty much anything. Is this going to be more powerful, Derek? Well, so you off, the, but... the PSVR 2 is a little bit higher resolution per eye and a little higher... Uh, field of view than the so oculus too a lot of that yeah a lot of that pixel okay. density may just go towards the increased field of view and the bigger actual like screens in on the gotcha eye. okay um they seem pretty comparable in a lot of ways right the the quest finally um brought where you're no longer using like external cameras and sensor towers to to track you that it's just the cameras built in on the headset and, and the PSVR is going to do the same thing and and the PSVR in a lot of ways seems to be kind of just like a small step up from the Quest 2 with the exception of is it going to do the thing the PSVR did and only work with the PS5 because if it does I think that gets harder I think a part of what makes the 3 or 400 dollar price tag of an oculus quest worth it to some people and and jeff like you said for a lot of people it's a total gamble for me it was a total gamble whether or not it'd be worth it for me and and i get horrible motion sickness a lot of times but i still do enjoy uh the the limited sessions that i i have with my quest but um you know what made that worth it for me was knowing that it was there was a lot more use cases for it. I could take it, you know, into my kitchen or living room where there's a bit more space and do something like Beat Saber, or I could sit down in my chair at my computer and play like Half-Life Alex. And knowing that there were games like Half-Life Alex out there waiting for me. That's apparently that's, that's rumored to be coming to PSVR too. That'd be um, good. That'd be excellent because it's, it's a good game and more people should get the chance to play it. Um, I don't Especially like, I'm not, a, VR. I'm not, well, th- it wouldn't work outside of VR. Well, I'm talking about like a new Half-Life game period. Yeah, like, we need, yeah. we need like a Half-Life 3, but, um, but yeah, so, so like, I think Finn kind of began to touch on this, but if somebody gets a PSVR, can I plug that in and use that as a VR headset on my computer with like Steam VR? Why not? If not, because it's you know, going to be a USB-C connection. It's the same basic technology. It's like, why, why not? Other than just to keep that walled garden up. Um, and, and the other way around, then why is it that if my Oculus Quest 2 is so similar, why couldn't I just hook my Oculus Quest 2 up over USB-C and use that? Like, 
you know, I think the the only thing about PSVR, well, I won't say the only thing. I say the first thing that the main thing that pops out to me personally is it reinforces this whole walled garden thing that I'm really hoping to see break down more and more. And I think has been breaking down more and more over the last generation and this generation. Um, but we don't have those details and, and I just want to hear them. Um, but also I think a lot of people are going to get into it and spend a bunch of money on a headset that only works on their PlayStation and then find out that, you know, the, they don't have the space for it or it makes them nauseous or, you know, it really is hit or miss whether or not the, it's, it's like the Wii in a lot of ways, right? Where the Wii was a nightmare for some people, able-bodied or disabled alike, like, you know, in, in terms of, of like, motion of movement you know it's it's very funny jeff bringing up that you had carpal tunnel and then your psvr controls were actually easier for you to use than a gamepad and it really is just a reminder of like everybody's situation is kind of different and you never know what you're getting into but um i just want more details i need more details to know it looks like a good piece of tech but how are you going to use it because so, VR and, and, is a, a cool niche, but it's still a niche. Well, and that's the thing that that that's kind of what I, where I want to kind of like put a bow on this conversation and then move on to uh, uh, conventions. Is, is that I hope for the sake of individuals like Grant and others um, who are not able-bodied, who have to deal with things that the majority of us do not have to deal with these challenges on a daily basis. I hope that things like VR stay niche. Um, simply because I am a strong advocate for everybody being able to play by any means possible. Um, and, you know, while it is advantageous for some who have issues like with Jeff, with Carpal Tunnel, um, I, I, you know, for the vast majority of, of disabled people, um, you know, or, you know, like when I, and when I say disabled, I'm talking about people who are not fully able-bodied. Um, it, it it's it's a there are so many roadblocks there that I don't really see a way past that and I I don't think it's I don't think it's ever not I don't think it's ever going to be anything other than a niche product I don't I just I simply don't think the market is there for for VR at least not 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 for the mass market um, especially since you guys know this thing's going to be pretty pretty pricey um, and and especially if it releases this year. Combined with the uh, availability issues that Sony has had and the fact that a PlayStation 5 is very expensive, I don't know how many people are going to be willing to spend $300, $400 on an extra peripheral um, that they might get a, a little bit of use out of. Um, but if there, but to, to kind of close this conversation out, Grant, is there anything, is, is there anything, if can you think of one thing that any company could do to make... V VR technology more viable for individuals who are not fully able-bodied? It depends on who you're talking about. Yeah. Again, like, so because like, like for me, no, probably not. Like VR is just going to be one of those things that I'm guaranteed to not be able to play, which is fine. Um, but for people who are maybe wads, uh, who have some function in their arm, but they can't hold controllers, Maybe viewers gonna be great for them. Um, so it, it it depends. I think the best thing that Sony can do, which they've proven to do in the past with all other studios, is bring on disabled consultants to help 
refine their products and test out all the issues that may appear. Um, because I don't have an answer, I just think if they want to include disabled people, do it from the ground up. Do it from the design process. Do it from the research, the testing, all of that. Because at that point, there's going to be far less bugs and issues than if you were just release it. Right. Without any form of testing whatsoever. Okay. Well, and, you know, speaking of... Um... Speaking of how are you uh, going to make this transition to really, will you just, will you have faith in me? No, Derek? never speaking, speaking of it, th making things more accessible to people. Let's talk about conventions and go and especially digital conventions in the post COVID era. Um, because when you're talking about individuals who are dealing with, uh, autoimmune deficiencies, um, things like E3 going digital could be quite advantageous. Um, well, How's, so that, for me, let's How's start, that for a transition, Derek? I have an important question. Why don't you address okay, my somebody, awesome transition first? No. Uh, I have a, an important question, uh, and, and this, this uh, Grant and Kenny, y'all may have uh, the answers for me here, maybe not, but you know, I'm not press. I've been to a lot of PAXs, but never something like E3. Um, when If E3 goes digital, I think for most gamers, most consumers... That means nothing because they're not going to E3. They're already just watching these presentations digitally and, and going, wow, cool trailers, man. But what does that mean for press? What does that mean for, you know, people who would normally be getting in? Like, how does that, how does something like that even conceivably work? Uh, and I think on, for the most part, I think it's going to be better. I think that, I mean, even before, you know, considering pandemic, you know, like restrictions and stuff like that, E3 was tough. It was a lot of work. And and not to, not to be a dick to people who aren't pressed, but people who weren't, at least the, to the E3s I went through, I went to, it was very hard to work around them. Um, yeah. Whether it was like, you know, Opening E3 to the public was one of the most unpopular decisions I've seen among press in forever. And it's, and it's not to be, you know, for everybody who's like, I didn't get to go to E3. Kenny, you suck. Just hold on. Um, Nobody here thinks that. When we went to, well, you know, like fans and whatnot. But like when, I we went to, when we went to E3 the first time, I remember trying to, so we, we weren't a really big crew. And we had to take turns. Like I, I would interview someone and then someone else would do it. And if, if it wasn't something where it was just a, you know, interview like behind closed doors, we could have like our own camera and stuff like that. And so we would take turns holding it. But like on the show floor, there's no room for like a tripod and stuff like that. So you just had to hold a camera. And I remember we were trying to uh, interview the devs behind um, Heavily Sword. We had a time slot set up and everything. And we went to go talk to them and we were on the floor. So they were, you know, one of us was playing it. Uh, while they were talking to the person, I was, you know, kind of recording over my shoulder and I kept getting pushed and nudged and to the point where we couldn't even use the video. And I, I, I'd, I'd stopped multiple times like, Hey, like we're trying to do a, you know, we're trying to do a thing. Like if you could just give us a second, you know, uh, cause there's like, mind you, there's multiple machines with heavenly sword being played. We were just in, in front of this one, but people were just so 
you know, so I can only imagine with some type of virus going around how people would be and act towards one another. And you didn't really see that with press. With press, it was very much like, oh, they're doing a thing. I'll, I'll wait. Or, I'll, you know, because everyone understands that it's a lot of work. Because once you're done with that interview, you have either you have like another appointment, you have something to write, you have to go, you have to get something to eat because you're going to you're going to faint all the walking and stuff that you do. Got to stay and hydrated. Exactly. I totally forgot that. I forgot it when I was there. Um, and because of that, it makes it difficult. And then especially with all the lights and, you know, and, you know, the, the, the booth babes and, and it's like all that stuff was distracting. All that stuff was just in the way for the most part. And while that's fun to see from a distance or like, you know, if you're a fan, it doesn't, it's not, it's not helpful with working. Whereas I think online or having it all digital is great because it's much easier to book appointments. It's much easier to keep appointments and have it be a closed off thing. It's much easier to, you know, hit multiple things because I remember when trying to get like a Sony, the Sony presser, they weren't in the same place at one point. So we had to drive. And if you can imagine trying to drive, you know, during E3, uh, in a rental all the way down to the other spot, um, the only way we could figure out was like have people just, I had to drop people off and then drive over to, <laughs> to Sony while the Nintendo thing was going on. Right. And so that's much easier with, with digital. But I think the problem with digital though, is that because it's, it's more of a free for all now, no one is, you know, there's some, you know, Nintendo won't step on Microsoft's toes because they're, it's a big entity, but there's a lot of indie shows. There's a lot of, you know, Square Enix had a show. I don't think they needed, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of people who, just had to have a show and because of that that gets hard to cover because you're like you know i have like multiple youtube videos up or, or twitch videos up trying to follow everyone and then not everyone is as good at, as nintendo in terms of like pre-recording something and then showing that off um, i think there's some some steps there that needs to be taken to improve but overall i think not having to fly across the country to to cover these shows not have to deal with the craziness that goes on at these shows it's 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 better even without covid i personally i think well so so speaking of flying so speaking of e3 period uh reb actually just tweeted something out as a follow-up uh to the article she wrote earlier today she said to clear up confusion the esa has said absolutely nothing about a digital event and when pressed they couldn't confirm one all they said was the in-person event was canceled that doesn't rule out a digital E3, but as of now, one has not been announced and no dates have been given. So now it's actually up in the air whether that means that E3 is a digital canceled event at or all. canceled at all. Which is well, and Jeff Grubb made a good point. He said if Summer, Game if Summer Games Fest has press out to LA for Judges Week and yeah. there's nothing from E3 at all, um, I, I, you, you kind of have to wonder, is E3 going to happen at all this year? Well, but the same conversation goes true for events like PAX as well, right? Like, again, but, but, events but, but, but I mean, the focus of PAX is different, though. Like, I mean, the, the focus of PAX is not to so much showcase brand new games and big reveals it is to, as it is like a celebration of gaming and giving people the chance to play games that are coming out next year. Or, uh, it's you, a hybrid because you know. you've got definitely got a more consumer-like focus on packs where it's it's you know always been open to the public if i remember correctly like it's correct you know there is a bigger focus on indies and setting up like the indie alleys and and things like that and and uh you know but in terms of 
playing that press game and getting those interviews and and getting those demos with with games that you haven't been able to put hands on before and aren't publicly accessible otherwise like it it kind of fulfills a a another one of those roles but i guess that's that's what i'm curious about is like you know pax east is still on at this point yeah we'll see this is also a world where more and more like it used to be e3 was the one thing you know june every year that's where everything was and now it feels like we got more and more of these events where people go hands-on with these games and get these interview opportunities with devs we're moving more to a digital future we've got more of these big digital events i mean nintendo does how many directs a year playstation and, and xbox are starting to do the same thing you know now we've got summer games fest and we've got you know it just feels like there's a lot of of it's being like decentralized and the upsides to that you know kenny it was as a really interesting perspective in terms of of like dealing with people who are not press or are not trying to play the game can be kind of frustrating but the flip side of that is you know for us a big part of going to stuff like PAX going to stuff like E3 was the networking and it is really different to do that all digital all online versus doing that in person you know being at the the western lobby and just you know talking to people and um or pouring people uh, bourbon from under your from, coat from secret I backpacks, mean, right? Yeah, right. Like, exactly. It's not that you've ever done that. Oh no, um, man, look, I may or may not have smoked on some upper floor rooms with some people <laughs> that are that are that have more money than I can imagine. Um, but like some of that's that's kind of the fun of these events, and that's definitely sad to see go. But I think on the flip side. She's not here right now, but one of uh, Kate Sanchez, but why though? One of her favorite drums to bang on, and it's it's in the realm of TV and 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 film criticism more than games criticism. But being able to do this stuff digital also opens potentially opportunities up for a lot more marginalized voices. Um, you know, a lot of smaller scale outlets and critics. Um, a lot of, I mean, let's, let's be real, like queer people, people of color, women are, are not always given the same, disabled people are not always given the same opportunities, rarely given the same opportunities as, uh, able-bodied straight cis white men are in this industry. Um, so opening up more, yeah. So opening up more opportunities for, for broke, you know, mid-level folks to try to, to get those interviews, get those demo opportunities, that they couldn't get flying out to California, renting an expensive ass hotel room, you know, like there's an advantage to that. You really do kind of democratize the process in a way. I feel like, so I don't know. It's it's yes or no. I I hope that in person events don't totally go away. Once Me COVID too, because I miss I don't you guys. Think they will, <laughs> but I'm I'm feeling like even though it's not my thing, man, this digital future might just be more fair in general. I mean, I yeah, I, I like. No, go ahead, please, Ken. Well, I was going to say, just to, to tag on, like the being able to talk to people and, and reach out and touch other people, your peers, people that you've seen online for years and actually didn't get to you know meet in person was really cool. Uh, getting to, like years ago, play Left 4 Dead and eat sandwiches with the game trailers folks was really freaking awesome. Because, yeah, I see you guys on TV and, and, well, not TV, but online all the time. It's like, oh, I get to shake your hand. Really, really dope. 
So that is something that's going to be kind of missed, you know. I think, if anything, if it's not digital, you know, at the very least have it where it's it's toned down a little bit. So not everyone has to go out to this particular thing. Like you said, it's there's way more shows now. And so having it where it's not just this one time of the year where this big event happens and everyone has to change their lives around to get there. I think then we could still kind of do this. Similarly to how PAX does East and West and, and whatnot. Um, but the old, old, old E3, I don't think that's, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. I, you know, and it'll be interesting to see kind of the, the ripple effect that this has uh, throughout the gaming industry um, as, as time goes on. Um, because, I mean, not to be too much of a downer, but there, as is, you know, as of yet, there is no real light at the, at the, at the end of the tunnel of this pandemic. Like this, we're entering year three. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're still dealing with this. Um, you know, they were just, uh, we are now the world champs in new COVID infections. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, yay, world champs. Um, and, and so I don't see this going away anytime soon. Uh, and so I'm wondering, I mean, like, look at what happened with PAX West last year, right? Like nobody fucking went. Um, you guys all, I'm, I'm assuming, saw the pictures of, uh, of PAX West coming out of Seattle last year, where like, half of the exhibitors didn't even show up, and the floors were empty. I, I'm really surprised that PAX East is a thing that's even happening this year with Omicron. I mean, uh, kind before of, Omicron, it, it might not have seemed that unreasonable. Demand vaccination, demand people be masked up, but Omicron's changing that game a bit, isn't it? So... It is, but 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 there there there's something else to all this. When we talk about you know kind of digitizing these these conferences now, for somebody like for for again like and again, other than Grant being a great guy, another reason I wanted to bring him on to talk about this is that for someone like Grant traveling like traveling in a pre-COVID world uh, is you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm I'm sure difficult enough, but traveling in a post COVID world where people don't have uh, enough sense of responsibility to get vaccinated or wear masks or take care of themselves and the people around them, it becomes potentially deadly. Um, so there is a, you know, I sit here and I say, oh, I miss hanging out with my friends and that's true, but there's also a very distinct advantage to these events going fully digital and that is people like Grant who deal with these issues are able to attend them and provide that coverage without having to essentially fear for their fucking safety. Um, Grant, if you could, could you could, could you speak on that just a bit? Because um, uh, I, I know that this is something that is very important to you as somebody who is a young up and coming writer in, in this industry. Yeah, um, I, I was supposed to be careful. So it's just framing and phrasing such COVID as awful as it is, obviously, was one of the best things to happen in terms of people understanding what disabled people have been asking for for literally generations. Work from home, uh, digital events, um, the 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 removal of like this forced need to socially interact outside of your house, which could be inaccessible, um, too costly, and so on and so forth. Last year was the first year I've ever been able to attend E3 as press, 
And even though it was an absolute disaster, because that E3 press photo was just awful. It was so bad. Um, it was a really great way for me to connect with studios, developers. Um, I interviewed Jeff Keighley for a piece on what he was doing to make Summer Game Fest accessible. He did, um, I think, over a dozen um, languages for closed captions. I think there were ASL interpreters for his streams. But these are the ways that you include disabled people. So while you don't have this level of camaraderie, physically speaking, for me as a writer who needs to cover these events, who needs to discuss potential accessibility, this is as terrible as this is, one of the best things that ever happened. Is that now I don't need to sign up and request, oh, I can't make it because X, Y, and Z. Can I do a phone interview? I can be on the same playing field as everyone else. And if I don't get an interview, it's not because I physically couldn't, it's because I was scheduling developers just weren't taking requests or what have you. Um, I am sad that I'll never be able to go probably to a physical E3 because that's always been a dream of mine, um, especially now that I'm covering the industry, but this is probably one of the best things that ever happened in terms of like equality and accessibility. I'm I, I'm just glad that you're here in this industry at all, Grant, because I, I, I think that, I think that your voice and, and well, no, and I mean that like, you know, your voice and the voice of other uh, disabled individuals is, is important. Like 10 years ago, hell, five years ago, nobody was having conversations about accessibility at all. Right. To be able to interview, like, because we all, you know, Jeff is like the biggest merger in the games industry, right? To be able to sit down and while I'm on your view be like, so what are you doing to prioritize accessibility? And for him to give actual answers, not just like PR fluff, was like, oh, this is a sign of actual change and things well, are progressing. Well, it's people like you, Grant, who are who are driving that change. Um, and, it's, and like, I was, I was, I was feel weird when people say it's not me. It's like. It's people are finally listening. Like, whenever I write an article, I always make a point to not really include my perspective. Because it's not about me. It's about, like, the people who for so long never had a voice who were never listened to. So, you know, if I'm interviewing Joe Schmo, who just wants to go to E3, but he can't because he's wheelchair bound, well, now he can't. That's how I view it. Yeah, I was a little bit weird. Everybody granted. That's fucking yeah. outstanding, man. That that's that that's I, that is so cool that you got the chance to interview Keeley. Like you know, I mean, literally the biggest name in the industry. Uh, and and you got to interview him, man. That that's fucking not in a million years. What it's just just so fucking cool, dude. I'm I'm really happy for how far you've come. Derek, okay. you look like you had something on your mind. I was just gonna say, like. You know, this isn't the first time I've I've heard something like this, but it, it hits me every time I hear it of of the idea that like this this last year was like the best year 
a lot of a lot of people had uh you know in in journalism in in in, in a lot of different fields um just because you know people have had to find out you know what what it feels like to be on that side of the screen in a lot of ways and um i just i hear that and it's it's far from the first time i've heard that and every time i hear it it just constantly makes me you know i just fucking wish it didn't take something as 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 world alteringly devastating yeah. as covid to get people on that same page to recognize that that you know so many of the barriers set up in everyday life uh you know when it comes to not not like living professional life you know passions and hobbies anything um you know that that there's so many barriers in the way for and so many different barriers in the way for so many different people um you know and it's it's the the work from home examples like is is a perfect one to start with because it's it's what everyone suddenly got hit with is like oh yeah shit we could have been doing this all along you know and i just hope that people don't lose that when when we eventually get COVID under control i'm gonna say eventually we will but i hope so we don't suddenly go back to you know fuck it everything's in person now you know because it's the way we did it COVID is one of the reasons why again awful say because like i'm immune compromised my dad has cancer like I'm not leaving my house. We're all vaccinated and boosted. But the COVID's been the, been the reasons that I can be a journalist. Like, I don't need to move to LA to be a journalist. I don't need to move to New York or Boston or where all the major publications are. Yeah. I don't so want to move to LA for any reason. Have you seen that traffic? It's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> it's really fucking bad. <laughs> um... I think we can probably afford to. So we've we've gone over most of our. Um... Do you guys see my lights going crazy here in the back for for some reason? Yeah. I don't it's... know what just happened. Like I think I think my there must be a a short in the system somewhere. It's really kind of freaking me out right now. I don't know what's happening. Um, it's like it's like a fucking rave in here all of a sudden. Uh, but that's like really weirding me out, man. Um, Are you okay, but, uh, John? I don't know what's going on back there, dude. Like holy shit! What's well, not even there? It's like all around the room, man. I think it's not, uh, a, it's not a ghost, man. You can I think, unplug it. It's a wire. I think I think, I, I think there's a ghost in the machine somewhere. Um, we can probably afford to close the show here out three minutes early. I think we've we've covered all of our topics. Um, and uh, it's been a hearty show. It has. It hard, it's been a John. It's been I'm a begging nice... you to to. I, I know that that as somebody with ADHD. That it's not as simple as as just not, but I'm I'm begging you, uh, to to be stronger than the flashing lights right now. Oh no no no! It's just distracting as fuck. Like I, because like I'm like the whole. It, it you may not like be able to tell here, but like the whole room is changing colors, uh, constantly. Like it it feels like I just took some shrooms or something. Um, but uh, we can go. I think we can go ahead and cut it off here. Uh, Grant. Where can people find you who don't who aren't already following you? And they, they, they should be. If you're not following Grant, you should be. But if you want to fix that, where can people find you? Uh, don't follow me. I just shit post. Um, Still, that's why you, I can follow follow, you. you can follow me on Twitter at super underscore crip 1994, and you can read 
my byline, anybody that talks about accessibility in gaming. Um, IGN, Washington Post, Fanbyte. If there's an accessibility article, it's more than likely my mind. It sounds so horrible. Awesome. Outstanding. You've done some great work as well. Uh, And Ken, uh, as a first time guest on the show, if anybody in chat wants to find you and they should, where can people find you? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter um, at Kenny U of G and which is is basically that everywhere. I, uh, you know, Instagram and stuff like that, but definitely on Twitter um, because that's where I post just about everything that I do. And my portfolio, like links and all that stuff is there. So you can see all the places that I write. But um, yeah, definitely on Twitter. Yeah. Awesome. Outstanding. Uh, and guys, you two have been great guests. Uh, Grant, we're going to have you back in the future. You know that. You're always welcome here. And Kenny, I hope this isn't the, uh, I hope this isn't the last time we see you, man. Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. All right. If you're not already a part of our Discord, I encourage you to join the other 350 people that are hanging out in our, hanging out in our Discord and having a good time. Uh, we pride ourselves on inclusivity and positivity. We've also got some merch there. Uh, you can buy SDGC shirts and uh, women's tees and hoodies and mugs and every single one of those, every single dollar uh, goes to uh, various chari- charities, whether it's Black Girls Code or Able Gamers or Take This or The Trevor Project. All of our money goes to, pro- uh, all of our money goes to charity, every single bit. We don't get a single dime. The merch uh, stuff, to be clear. For, for the merch stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, whenever conventions do come back, whenever we're going to them again, you can always support us at Patreon right there. All the stuff is in the chat here. Uh, for anybody listening to the show, uh, you can find our merch at bonfire.com slash store slash Super Deluxe Gamescast and our Patreon at patreon.com slash official SDGC. Uh, we really appreciate everybody spending their time with us. Hopefully we're in for good things this year in 2022. Um, I'm going to try to stay positive. My lights have stopped flashing, so I take that as a good sign. Things can things can only look up from here. Uh, and as always, guys, kindness costs nothing. We'll see you next week. <laughs>